0: If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Either way, take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 20. It's on page 61. If you would like to use a Bible from the church, you should be one in front of you. You could grab that and turn to page 61. Otherwise, turn to Exodus chapter 20. And uh, this morning, I want to begin reading at verse 8 and uh, read through verse 11 as we look at the fourth word from the Lord. This is God's word for us this morning, and here's what God says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, Holy, You may be seated. Father, we thank you for your word, even as we have just sung uh, about how you love us. Father, even having your word is another example of your love for us, that you would talk to us, that you would give us this word. Uh, Father, we are grateful. And our prayer now is that you would help us as we consider this word. In fact, we would pray for the very presence of your Spirit to be amongst us in our midst, even stirring in our hearts. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've, in our study through the book of Exodus, we've slowed things down. uh, When we've come to Exodus 20, as we've considered the Ten Commandments... Um, We're trying to take a look at them one at a time, and uh, this morning we're now on the fourth word, or the fourth commandment. I would remind us that these are the words of a father to a son. These are not the means by which Israel... Uh, pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps and made themselves right with God. No, these are the words that come after the Lord had rescued a people from Egyptian captivity and brought those people to himself. These are the words uh, that God desires his people to bear and to live out, that his people might, in fact, show themselves to be his people, that they might show the world around them uh, just how good the Lord is and how good and generous his statutes are for us to live by. So as we consider the fourth word this morning, I've chosen to take two Sundays to uh, uh, try to grapple with the place of the fourth commandment in our lives The the fourth word is the wordiest of all of the other ten words. Um, And uh, even broadening that, uh, the matter of Sabbath is a huge concern in the Old Testament. For, as we'll see in a moment, it is the actual sign of the Mosaic covenant. On top of that, the The role that the Sabbath takes in the New Testament is a very contested matter, for there's a a range of ways that people try to understand what to do with the Sabbath in in terms of the New Covenant. And so we're going to take this morning and, Lord willing, next week to uh, uh, wade into this fourth word So today, we're going to walk through um, some of the Old Testament to see how the Sabbath was understood and practiced during the Old Covenant. Next Lord's Day, we'll attempt to uh, take some of the New Testament and to see how the Sabbath is understood and practiced in the the New Covenant. Uh, This is true any Sunday morning, but... I particularly feel the burden of this this morning. I, we do not want to play fast and loose with the Word of God. We we want to believe and practice all that it teaches. We want to honor the Lord. And, and we want to do that, on the one hand, by not being dismissive of anything that is in the Bible. But we also want to honor the Lord Uh, by not going beyond what the Bible actually teaches. So let's try to stay within the parameters of the Scripture as we consider uh, the Sabbath. Now, as it would turn out, and I didn't plan this, I've got seven pages of notes, and I've got seven things I want to say. All right? So... I know some of you, it just now dawns on you the implication of that. So um, I, didn't, I didn't shoot for that. It, just, it was just the outcome. Um, so here's the first thing. Um, as we approach the fourth word here, as we've just read it in Exodus 20, verses uh, 8 through 11, um, I, 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 I want to uh, suggest that there is something distinct about the fourth commandment. I mean, thus far, if you followed me, I, I've argued that these ten words reflect God's eternal moral law. The, the the additional laws that we find as we read elsewhere in Exodus and in on to into Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, I don't know if someone added them up and said there's like 613 of them or whatever. But but uh, uh, the uh, the additional um, laws that are in the uh, Mosaic covenant uh, state, if you would um, uh, judgments or uh, case laws that are that are built upon these ten words, and they provide application that in some cases um, may be more limited to the setting of Israel as a nation. These ten words, these ten commandments have a a permanence beyond the nation of Israel. These these ten words, as found in the Mosaic Covenant, uh, even though the Mosaic Covenant is not the binding covenant for us today, these ten words are are bigger and deeper than the Mosaic Covenant. These ten words are foundational and fundamental. They, They coincide with what we might call The natural law, that is the moral law that God has imprinted upon the human heart and conscience. Now, having said that, now I'm going to, like, do a backpedal for a second. Um, The fourth word is somewhat distinct. Uh, I'm not sure that what I've just said... About the other nine applies in the same way in the same shape uh, to this fourth word. Uh, there is something different about the fourth word than the other nine, and and I and that's where I'm at today. I want the, we always want the scripture to correct us when when we need to be corrected. Um, so let's look at maybe what is distinct and uh, what is uh, how the Sabbath. Here in Exodus 20, as well as it's repeated in Deuteronomy 5, some 40 years later, after it was stated in Exodus 20, in Exodus 5, the second generation of Israelites, all but two had died off in the wilderness, and now in Deuteronomy 5, they're on the border of entering into the promised land, and Moses gives the law, the Mosaic Covenant, a second time. And that's really the second thing I want to point out about the Sabbath law in Exodus twenty, and that is it's stated twice in Exodus twenty, as we've just read, and in a moment, um, Deuteronomy five. We'll we'll read that, um, and um, and there's there's not a lot of difference uh, in the the statement of the. Fourth commandment, the fourth word in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And yet, and yet there is something, there is a variance there that, that I, I think is instructive to us that we want to lean into. Let me go ahead and read Deuteronomy 5. You can turn there if you like, or you could just listen to it as I read, particularly verses 12 through 15 correspond with verses 8 through 11 in uh, Exodus 20. Um, it says uh, in Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath to keep it Holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant. Um, and then there's a couple of uh, new assertions in, uh, here. Or your ox or your donkey or any livestock, which is simply what it says in Exodus 20, or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then he adds another tag to that he's in Deuteronomy 5. He says um, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. He's, imp- he's implied that already in the statement both in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, but he, he underscores that again in Deuteronomy 5. And, and then here's what's different. Here's what is the key variance. In Deuteronomy 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out uh, from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, there's two statements. Both pertain to Um, the Sabbath as a legislative matter, if you would. The nation of Israel was to exercise a weekly rhythm consisting of six days of work and one day of Sabbath. And the Sabbath day was to involve the cessation of work, all work. Plowing and harvesting would cease, uh, carrying burdens would cease, gathering sticks would cease, and even the lighting of a fire would cease on the Sabbath day. Now, uh, as the Old Testament unfolds, there, there are some things that are permitted that could be done on the Sabbath day, but, but for the most part, generally speaking, the Sabbath was about a cessation of work, so it was a breaking of the rhythm of the pattern of the previous six days. But, but it, wasn't, it was more than just simply a cessation of work. It was a cessation of work for the purpose of worshiping the Lord. In worshiping the Lord, Israel, and I think this is key here, Israel would have the prospects uh, of experiencing rest by gathering in the presence of the Lord. So while there's not much difference between the two commands, uh, as stated in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, they're both the fourth word, the fourth commandment, um, the difference is in on, as, as to what is the basis or the reason why the Sabbath should be observed. In, in Exodus 20, the reason was creation. In Deuteronomy 5, the reason was redemption. Both point to the wonderful, beautiful works of God. But let's take a look at those one at a time. Uh, From Exodus 20, The observance of the Sabbath was rooted in the Lord's work of creation. So I want to read a portion of Genesis chapter 2. You could look there if you want. I want to read the first three verses that that describe what Exodus 20 is referring to. What is this? What the Lord rested after he he worked. Genesis 2 opens with a focus on what occurs on the seventh day. And it reads like this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them, and on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested. It, that's not the, the the noun Sabbath; it's the verb that uh, of Sabbath. He He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. Moses says to Israel, you're to take a Sabbath on what is now known as the Sabbath day, the seventh day. You're to take that because um, that is reminiscent of what the Lord did on the seventh day after he finished creation. After six days of creating the heaven and the earth, the Lord rested on the seventh day. We've got to lean into that and think about that for a moment. What does it mean that the Lord rested on the seventh day? And I would suggest to you that it, that the rest that's described here is not a recuperation from being worn out. That's, we always need to be reminded of this, but... God is not a a larger version of us. He's, He's a whole other kind of being. He's the kind of being that Isaiah 40 would remind us, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Or... And this is great because we're the beneficiaries of this. Psalm 121 reminds us, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God doesn't need a rest in that kind of way. Well, then, well, what kind of way is there then? This notion of rest, I would suggest to you in Genesis chapter 2, reflects the satisfaction that the Lord had from all that he made. The, the, the rest and sense of a, of a contentment, a, a fulfillment, if you would. The Lord took pleasure in all that he made. In all that he made. All that he made, uh, as the pattern of Genesis 1 takes us, it was good. 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 It was very good. the lord shifts from creating to enjoying what he made and and i would suggest to you the lord then shares his delight and pleasure over what he made with what he made that that the enjoyment of the lord it, it was 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 something that was experienced in and with what was made. And so on the seventh day, there was delight. There was enjoyment. There was satisfaction. And the Lord shared those same qualities or experiences with Adam and Eve. They were brought up into that delight and enjoyment and satisfaction. But there seems to be something different about the seventh day from the six previous days. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Whereas the first six days were marked by a literal 24-hour definition. It would go something like this. After the first day there in verse 5 of chapter 1, there was evening and there was morning. The first day. And you see that pattern traced all the way through chapter 1 of Genesis, so that you have a very hard uh, uh, description of, of, uh, of, of, a, of a 24-hour time stamp as to what defines day. However, what I find intriguing is that when we get to the seventh day, and the day that the Lord set as a day of rest... Uh, uh, The seventh day, uh, there is no such description uh, uh, as we follow in the first day. There is no, on the seventh, uh, uh, there was the evening and there was the morning, uh, the seventh day. The seventh day is, the the way it's pinned here, it's somewhat open-ended. Now, uh, yes, I, I do believe that seventh day, in that sense, was a another twenty four hour day. So that in in seven literal twenty four hour days, not only was everything done, uh, but then there was a it, it was it was a, it was climaxed, if you would, with a, a a time of 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 the experience of of rest. But also, what I mean by that is. Well, what did the Lord do on the eighth day? Did he, did he, did he go back to work? I would suggest to you that, that by leaving it open-ended like this, um, uh, that the, the status of rest, the status of now that God had made everything he wanted to make, he was now entering into an era of delighting in what he made, finding satisfaction in what he made, and, and sharing that delight and satisfaction with whom he made. Uh, in that sense, in that sense, that uh, that uh, experience of rest and delight on the seventh day was ongoing. It was not a mere 24-hour designation. The Lord, Adam, Adam's posterity, might have experienced perpetual Sabbath. But the original beautiful design for creation... Was disrupted when Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord. The rest and the delight that fellowship with God provided for mankind came to an end. Adam was removed from the garden, removed from the presence of the Lord, and the, the Lord went back to work. he would now provide redemption to the descendants of Adam who forfeited sabbath due to their disobedience now the lord's work of redemption and recreation had begun so Jumping back into what is happening in Exodus 20, uh, the instituting of a Sabbath day into Israel's life reflects something of the grace of God that is found in the Mosaic law. Obedience to the law would bring a taste of rest and delight for Israel that mankind had experienced at creation. Do you see that? I think that's why he's tying this Sabbath day into the Sabbath that the Lord took at creation. But let me clarify what I am suggesting. I am saying that, and this is this is the contested part. This is the this is the part that, boy, I could I, I could be uh, I could belly flop on this one. So um, I am saying that a law. Creating one day of Sabbath does not actually occur until after the Passover while Israel is here at Mount Sinai. The, the fourth commandment is requiring uh, not a continuation of a law given at creation to Adam and Eve in the garden. I, I do think there is a, in some way, there is a pattern of six days of work and one day of rest, uh, but the issue is whether that pattern in Genesis immediately became uh, a moral obligation. By the way, I, I think about this, I, I just, as I tried to wrestle with these things, I am fascinated by the consideration of a seven-day week. I mean, it, it's hard to figure out how you get a seven-day week out of the observation of nature. We, 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 know, we know how to configure, how to size up a day. Um, a day is linked to the earth's rotation on its axis. We, we, um, uh, we, we know how to figure out a, a year, for the most part. A year is linked to the earth's revolution around the sun. We we all we also know um, uh, how to figure up a, a month. A, a month is linked to the phases of the moon as it orbits around the Earth. But a week, the Lord has put a pattern in place. That I, I, I don't want us to play fast and loose with, the, the, but 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 here's the struggle: is is that pattern is that pattern um, a, a a gift or is a, is it a legislative procedure, if you would? I just don't see that there is a indication of a law concerning the Sabbath throughout the book of Genesis. In fact, the, as the book of Genesis unfolds, I think what it really unfolds is. Is, uh, is that the original rest of creation is gone. And yet now, with the institution of, of, of a Sabbath into the Mosaic law, there is now a new arrangement. Years later, I think that, I think something that Nehemiah says, I think it's helpful here in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 13 through 14, uh, as Nehemiah is recounting to the people of Israel something of the Mosaic covenant. He says, you came down, speaking of the Lord, you came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws. Good statutes and commandments you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. In other words, what I'm, what I'm saying is that, the, is that Nehemiah, Nehemiah's description or language is suggesting that, that um, the law of Sabbath is something that is unique to the nation of Israel there at, at Mount Sinai. Um, Now, uh, it's just an important heads-up. I just want to be honest with you that what I've just said is probably the most, I don't know, is a controversial thing. Um, And that is, was, was a law enacted in Genesis 1 and 2 concerning the Sabbath, or does the actual law begin here in Exodus chapter 20? Now, I'm going to go on, though. From Deuteronomy 5, remember there was another basis for the observance of the Sabbath for Israel. The first, Exodus 20, was creation. And now in Deuteronomy 5, what we read was the basis was redemption. Now, th- th- those are not contradictory reasons. In fact, I would suggest to you that they are wonderfully complementary uh, as the, as the as Israel as Moses and Israel is renewing the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. Some forty years later, a new generation of Israelites, the Sabbath ordinance uh, was rooted in the work of redemption. They are to keep a Sabbath and in so doing, it, they were, they are being reminded that it was the Lord's redemptive act of Passover that freed Israel from Egyptian slavery, that, that the people of Israel were to understand that their freedom and, and the joy that was granted to them was granted to them through the redemption. And, and one benefit of that is that now they are gathering on a weekly basis into the Lord's presence. Uh, because they've been freed to be people that live unto the Lord. As a result of their redemption from Egypt, they were being given a day of Sabbath every week. And while it, it is now a moral obligation, I don't know if it was before that, uh, it, is, it is also designed to be a blessing of satisfaction and rest that stemmed from the redemption that they experienced as the Lord's people. Furthermore, as the Old Testament unfolds, this is why I think the, the redemptive basis of the Sabbath uh, here in Deuteronomy 5 is so helpful as we go forward in the Scripture. So this, in, a, in a way, Sabbath is, looks back, but it's reminiscent, but Sabbath also is anticipatory. It looks forward. Because as, as, as the Old Testament unfolds, the redemptive act, of the Lord from exodus um, at, at, the, at their exodus from Egypt becomes a perspective picture of a fuller and deeper redemption and, and, and yet uh, a yet to be fuller and greater redemption that will grant to them if you would a deeper and a more long lasting rest that the rest given to mankind at creation that was lost in Adam's fall, will return once again. Not through a legislative weekly obligation, but as a gift to be experienced in relationship to God Himself. A third thing that I want to say. Let me shift from a conversation, uh, 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 from the conversation uh, and, 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 and talk some more about what it is that is unique about the fourth commandment. And we read in Exodus 31 um, something of what the Sabbath law, the fourth word, the fourth commandment, uh, means uh, to Israel and means to the whole Mosaic covenant. In Exodus 31, verses 12 through 17, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say to them, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath. Because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes the Sabbath shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Six days uh, work shall be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath or a solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout the generations... As a covenant forever, it is a sign between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. So the Sabbath, in addition to being one of the ten words, uh, was to be a sign between the Lord and Israel that in fact, they are the people who stand in covenant relationship. With each other. Obedience in the area of Sabbath keeping was to be symbolic of their obedience to the Lord in every area of the covenant. As a sign that the Sabbath was important for that reason alone, Israel's adherence to the Sabbath testified to their solemn commitment to obey the Lord in all of his statutes that he had given to them in his covenant there at Mount Sinai. The prophet Ezekiel, we won't go there, but in Ezekiel 20, he brings this back up in the context of an indictment that how uh, that, uh, they had broken the Sabbath, they had profaned the Sabbath, and he, he reminds them that this was a special ordinance, for it was an ordinance that signified their wholehearted devotion and obedience to the Lord. A fourth thing. Another important point that, to make concerning the uniqueness of the Sabbath for Israel uh, was that the Sabbath is the grounds for all of Israel's special feasts and festivals that ran throughout the calendar year. Places like Leviticus 23 begin to describe the, the feast, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of trumpets, the day of atonement, the, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of tabernacles, not to mention, Leviticus describes a Sabbath year every seventh year, not to mention a year of Jubilee, which was after, which was the 50th year after 49 years which is a whole other aspect of Sabbath rest. That is the, the, the role that the land played in giving rest to Israel. But all of these feasts, all of these festivals, uh, uh, um, they, all were, they, they, they were all the prospects of the people of Israel gathering in worship to the Lord to, to, to display and to experience their relationship with the Lord in which they would taste rest. And all of those were built upon the foundation, the chassis, if you would, of the Sabbath day. The, the Sabbath was an ongoing weekly and then throughout the calendar year uh, reminder that was reminiscent of the rest that mankind had prior to sin. And yet anticipatory of a, or foreshadowing of a future rest that would come. A fifth thing. Israel was not faithful to the covenant. Now, that's a big shocker, I'm sure. Um, At times, um, they adhered to the Sabbath, that is the sign of the covenant, while otherwise being faithful to most every other aspect of the covenant. For instance, in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, this is interesting the Lord says to Israel, bring no more offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moons and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and in solemn assembly. Your moons, your new moons and your um, appointed feasts, my soul hates. Lord, what do you mean you hate these things? They're your ideal. You're the one that told us to do them. He goes on. He says, uh, interesting, he says, they've become a burden to me. I am weary. I have no rest. I'm weary of burying them. The Lord grew to hate their Sabbaths as well as their feasts uh, because the very thing Things that the Lord had prescribed them to do. Uh, how, how, all the other, if you would, ten words. And how they were to obey God. And, and uh, how they were to love God and love each other well. Um, they were in violation of every one of those. And yet they were keeping the sign of the covenant. Almost treating it superstitiously, if you would. Uh, they clung to the sign of the covenant. Sabbath keeping all the while, they were not in compliance with the very covenant whose sign was the Sabbath. And at other times, it wasn't that they broke every other law and kept the Sabbath, but, but uh, in, in Isaiah 58, there were other times that they just blatantly blew off the Sabbath. They, they didn't care to even... Um, uh, Comply with that one and again once again isaiah he confronts Israel like this, and he says if you Israel, who was in covenant relationship with the Lord, which would have signified, which would which have been, would have been signified by a life of obedience to the Lord, as demonstrated in a pattern of faithful Sabbath keeping, chose to do their own thing. It was not in the Lord whom they were choosing to find delight. In that way, Israel is a lot like Adam and Eve in the garden. They rejected the Lord in the garden, and they forfeited rest. Israel was rejecting the lord rejecting the covenant the terms of the covenant even dismissing the very sign of the covenant they were they were rejecting a relationship with the lord and so israel's death was warranted just like adam and eve's death was warranted, and first, what that meant is they were just cut off from relationship with God, but eventually meant they would die. Remember exodus 31 the terms the consequences of breaking the sign of the covenant: everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does uh, any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. The old covenant and the, the sign of the old covenant was the Sabbath. And breaking the Sabbath was death, and I don't find it any surprise then, but when we read what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that the old covenant was in fact a covenant of death. The law, which revealed God's holy character, His perfect will, also exposed the sinfulness of man's heart. The law provides the basis for our just condemnation. The law shows that we are, in fact, lawbreakers. And in being lawbreakers, we live in rebellion toward the very God who made us. We forfeit rest from the Lord. It was forfeited in the garden and when he provided rest once again uh, on, on a regular rhythm basis to the nation of Israel in the old covenant, it was rejected. And Israel proves that they are covenantally unfit and unfaithful. The seventh thing I want to say is, but that's not the end of the story. The prophets confront Israel With covenant unfaithfulness, including the profaning of the Sabbath. But the prophets also comfort Israel with the prospects of a new covenant. For instance, the prophet Isaiah himself, in a wonderful passage describing the coming Messiah, in uh, Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 10, he says, In that day the root of Jesse who shall stand as a signal for all for the peoples of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious and then taking a quick peek into the new testament on the eve of the crucifixion jesus unveils the sign of the new covenant it was in the upper room, the institution of the Lord's Supper. When we read in Luke twenty-two twenty, 20, and likewise the cup after he had eaten, he took the cup likewise after he had eaten, saying, this cup is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. Whereas the sign of the old covenant was the Sabbath, which Israel violated, leading to the sentence of death, The sign of the new covenant is the cup containing Jesus' blood, which is poured out for our forgiveness, leading to life and peace and rest. There is a pivot when we get to the New Testament. And the pivot is that this notion of Sabbath is, is not so much rooted In a day, but it is found in a person. And we'll pick up with this verse next week, but our Lord says in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, thank you for your word. Our prayer is that these things that I've taken us through this morning will be helpful to your people, that they honor you, that we would realize that you made us to enter into a delightful Sabbath relationship of rest. And that would explain, Father, why hearts are so restless. We were made for you, and nothing else will quite fill that. And Father, as your scriptures unfold, we we see more clearly how you touched down for a moment in Israel's life and gave them a preview of what you would do in and through your Son, Jesus. How you would awaken our interests in a returning of a Sabbath rest, and how you would bring that to its fulfillment through your Son, Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that all who have gathered here this morning know something of your Son, at least enough to know that He alone can do what He has just said, provide rest, and that the very cup that we remember that contains His blood has been poured out for us, that our angst, our animosity, our enmity, between us and a holy God, has been removed. And we can now live in peace and rest through faith in Jesus. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.